The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo joins us with Global Commodity Analytics. And we're going to look at this grain market to start out with. And I tell you, Mike, it's nice to see a Tuesday finish out with some green on the screen. But it looks like it was this wheat market that just continued to push forward and maybe pull the other two commodities along. Yeah, you know, we finally have a market, I think, Susan, where the trade is going back towards the wheat quality tour and the poor yields in the hard red wheat belt. I think, really, when you think of the calendar now at this point of the game and, and the crop stature, the emergence level that USDA gave us on Monday afternoon's report, I think the trade's finally getting it that you're running out of time, and if we don't have a good solid rain in the next 7 to 10 days, then you're going to be right up against harvesting wheat, and it could be a wheat harvest that comes several weeks early just because of the way the emergence and the uh, crop production cycle has been sped up because of the fact that we've turned hot and dry again in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. And so I think the trade is more, I guess, all in with the idea that we're going to go up and test some major resistance levels. We did that on Monday. We were able to take that hard red wheat market up above the uh, May earlier May highs of this year. We got within just a few cents uh, of the July highs of last year, within about six cents of that. And that was that July 4th or pre-July 4th holiday run we had thanks to the spring wheat. It didn't last very long because it was about spring wheat. This one may last a little bit longer, I think, Susan, and that's something that would really mean a lot more to the corn producer as well. In other words, what I'm getting at is if the hard red wheat wants to continue on higher here into the holiday weekend, and we come back after the holiday weekend and continue this rally, and that's the big one. I think that's the really key indicator as to what kind of sustainability this market may have as far as making highs not seen since 2015 is whether we can really keep that momentum to the upside generated and keep it going after the three-day break. If we can, then you're probably talking about a December corn price that would not be hard for it to try and break through the 430 and maybe even get into the 435 level. That would be a very ideal hedge level for me to do the next increment of 2018 hedges. And depending on what the basis levels are doing at that point in the summertime weather, uh, I'd be looking at some of the, uh, I've got about 20, 25% of the 17 corn still left in the bin for clients, and I'd be looking at maybe letting a little bit of that go as well if we get another 10 to 12 cents higher in the front end and in the, in the new crop, these corn. Mike, a couple of producers I've talked to over the last couple of days, we've been blessed in this area to get rain. And we've had a nice abundance of it right now, and we'll take it. But the comments that were made was the fact that it's starting to get muggy and the corn is out of the ground. You can't ask for better growing conditions right now. And things no, look I, beautiful. Yeah, and I think this is really important, and I'm glad you brought this up, because I think that this would be a very poor time to get really bullish and really price-friendly, not just because of the weather itself, but also because of the demand side and the currencies and the trade issues. I mean, just today, 
in the later part of the trading day, we saw newswire uh, stories hit the uh, market that said now Japan and Europe were going to start to really push back on the steel tariffs from the United States. And Germany said, watch out, United States, because uh, we're not going to play ball with you, even if the European Union does. This all affects our meal market and our Rotterdam price in the Netherlands, and it affects a lot of our oilseed prices. And, and I think, Susan, what I'm getting at is you don't have a constructive market given what the currencies have been doing, where the dollar's been going up and making record highs against the Argentine peso, which is now looking for money from the IMF, which means it's an emergency situation in that country. And, you know, beware in 2001 when we had the Argentine crisis, the financial crisis in Argentina, they helped lead the rest of the emerging markets down and Turkey was right there with them. And guess what? Today, Turkey is under immense pressure. Their currency is down, I want to say, almost 20% against the U.S. dollar after last week's trade. So when you combine the weather of the corn and bean belt, and yes, we can have dry pockets develop, and and that's important to watch, but when you have the weather mostly good and favorable, and then you have the demand side of the market really questionable, the rallies that we do get on weather, I think, still need to be hedged just need to hedge them respectfully. In other words, don't overdo your cash bushels. Remember what your crop insurance levels are and use paper positions so that you can pull them off if something dramatic changes after the, uh, say, the Memorial Day holiday or after the July 4th holiday. Don't pull the hedge completely off, but be able to, you know, work it so that you can stay in the game and not be forced out or pushed out of your position. There's so much outside market influence that's coming into this market trade. It's got to make for some nervousness. I mean, you're already nervous trying to trade a commodity in the ups and downs of who's doing what, but then let's just throw all these countries in. Makes it a little bit more hairy. Exactly. And, you know, I wrote this on my blog on my website yesterday about the international trade and try to take a big picture since 1995 when I started that. That was really kind of the golden area, a golden era of multilateral trade. We were going through World Trade Organization rounds successfully. Uh, tariff levels were coming down uniformly. We were bringing new countries in. The global trading pie was getting bigger, bigger, and bigger. And we were breaking the back of the uh, communist regimes in Central Europe as a result of that. I'm not. I'm not being negative to what President Trump is trying to do. I understand what he's trying to do. In fact, I talked about this way back in November, December in uh, in Lexington, uh, not long ago, you know, at a, at a Fontenelle seed meeting and talked about why President Trump was doing what he was doing. He is a populist president. He knows agriculture and manufacturing got him voted in, and he's a lot like Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, the big stick theory, the big stick policy when it comes to international trade and geopolitics. He's very similar to Teddy Roosevelt in that way, but it's usually the fact that, historically speaking, agriculture takes it on the chin initially, and that's why 2018 is one of those years where you can't overplay your hand. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got more coming up on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics. Wanted to ask you, um, we were on the front half, but as I was joking during the break, I felt like I'd be taking the fork in the road and have to go around the section. So now that we've gone around the section, come back to this Black Sea region, because I was doing some reading this morning that they're going to have some big effects in the coming weeks on the exports and how it's going to affect our wheat market here in the States. 
Yeah, I mean, you're getting to a point where the Ukraine and some of Eastern Europe are still having difficulty, and some of Central Europe is still having difficulty getting the crop that they've been used to getting. In other words, the top-end yielding crop production potential, Susan. We should know a lot more about that in the next couple, three weeks. But as far as Russia goes, the expectation continues to be that they will be the central uh, seller in this export market. And so unless we have a big dip in production potential in Central Europe or the Ukraine, we'll continue to be fighting the Black Sea regions uh, for the next two to three months, regardless of what our yields are and what our harvest is and our hard red wheat belt and how bad the crop is, we still will probably be locked out of the global market. Right now, our soft red wheat, for instance, at the Gulf is around $223 a ton. In France, the price is about $196 a ton. And in the Ukraine, the price is about $200, $205 a ton. Russia's right around the $200 a ton area as well at one of their main ports. So the world price we are not competitive with still, and I don't see that changing much in the next two to three months, even if we have a short crop here. What I think will happen is you'll see a cash basis in areas like, say, Hutchinson, Kansas, or Manhattan, Kansas, or closer to the Nebraska-Kansas border uh, where basis will pop and the cash market will really fight each other for the limited amount of bushels. But as far as the world picture goes, um, unless the dollar breaks hard to the downside, we're, we're going to probably stay fairly uncompetitive for the next two to three months. Now, once we get to September, things could change quite a bit. Headed over to the livestock side, and I know that the summer hogs have been under some pressure today. have a uh, question that came in from a pork producer. Lucas is wanting me to ask you, what will be the expected bottom for June lean hogs? Obviously, that's asking you to look into, you know, the future a little bit here. But the other part of it is, will we have to see June expire before July reaches $80? I do think we'll probably have to see the June expire before we see July hit $80, just from a seasonal standpoint and also the meat price right now. USDA has the second quarter average cash price at just under $61, and that would be the meat price, Susan. And we also have the carcass price right now. And and, uh, if you add on the VMR, uh, you're probably a little bit better than that, maybe closer to $70. I think we're near a low at this point in time in the June futures. But do I see a $10 rally in the June uh, to give uh, the, the ability of the Julys to hit 80. Uh, probably not because the supplies are going up right now for the next 30 to 45 days. I've also been hearing from cattle producers here in this area that there are more females, especially cows, going to the market, going into the slaughter mix, and it makes sense given our pasture. So with the hog cattle spread being what it is and the fact that the hogs are needing the cattle more than ever right now, especially if NAFTA doesn't go through and we don't get a, a at least an agreement in principle between this window that you're asking this, me this question on. I, I think that it's going to be real tough for the cattle to provide that kind of support for the hog market. I could see the June fat cattle be able to get up to uh, the 110 level fairly easily, uh, before it goes off the board. Um, to get above that, you're going to probably have to have a weaker dollar and several other things really start to click. And we haven't even talked about the corn market and what that may do to the feeder cattle in case we do step into somewhat of a weather market in the corn belt. So how is that going to affect both both sides of the livestock? Should that happen with this corn market? 
Well, I think, you know, the trade has been, the funds have been very aggressive on the feeder uh, corn spread. I mean, we're talking about a feeder corn spread right now. When you divide those lead month futures into one another, the feeders are 18 and a half times premium to lead month corn right now. That is the lowest we've been since other than one time in 2016. That's the lowest we've been since 2013. So they have certainly taken the premium out of the feeders in relation to the corn. If we would have more of a weather event in the corn, then you could start getting into levels not seen since 2013, 2012, where you got to the 14 or 15 uh, pre- times premium in the feeder. So I, I think the funds really enjoy playing the feeder corn spread on both sides. And it's kind of because we've had three or four years of weaker corn prices in part due to weaker wheat prices, I don't see that uh, mindset shifting much where they would want to come in and buy feeders and sell corn at least until after July 4th, July 10th holiday time period. Well, it's going to make for an interesting summer. So to keep up to date on everything, and you have an amazing blog, what is the best way so folks can find out more information, reach out to you, and follow along with what you're writing? Well, I love to talk to people, Susan, as you know, and I would love it if they'd call at toll-free 866-471-2588 after the market closes. And I uh, would love to set up an appointment to meet with someone. I'm not far from uh, your area. Fontenelle Final Bells right here on the Rural Radio Network.